0: Happy day 23 of the program so excited about our conversation today and our expert Anna McGinn we are talking sleep we are talking stress we are talking about how important it is when someone is trying to lose weight oh welcome to the program hello how are you I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. So I just want to get right into this. I have been making a list of all of the questions our members want to ask you. So first of all, uh, you're a sleep expert. Maybe just do a little introduction for some of our new members who may not be familiar with, with you. I know you've been with us. Uh, you've,
1: you've, you're familiar with the program. So just maybe a little bit of an introduction. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Alana McGinn. I am CEO and founder of Goodnight Night Sleep Site. We are a individual and family sleep consulting practice. So we work with babies, up to adults, up to major corporations um, in terms of sleep coaching, putting sleep plans together, helping individuals um, and entire families sleep better, and entire corporate teams. Um, I started with the Gina the Gina Levy program, gosh, I think like a year ago, um, and it's done wonders. So I I always love speaking to the community because sleep factors in, listen, sleep is one of the pillars of health along with nutrition, along with movement, along with connection. So um, sleep is an important factor to fit into the program for sure. So I love that you do this for your community.
0: Yeah. Well, you know how hard they are working, right? Not just at losing weight, but leveling up their health and wellness. And it's really about, I find when people lose weight in general, they just kind of do bits and pieces. And it's all about having everything that they're doing all work together. You know, like someone who is just necessarily getting more sleep might not affect their weight loss journey, but with all the things that people are doing in combination, it can definitely make a big difference. So let's get right into it. Why is sleep important? Why do we even need sleep? Can we live without sleep? You know, everyone says, oh, sleep and I'm dead like how why is sleep so important
1: so yeah I mean listen we tend to I, I'm not gonna say we tend to still because I do think that sleep health has gained the same type of importance or starting to the same as yes. nutrition and exercise which of course are so important mm-hmm. um but we yeah. we do tend to wear sleep deprivation as that badge of honor you know we can do yes. everything yes. with such little sleep. Not necessarily a great thing, right? Because everything that you're doing is likely for yourself, for your family, for your your company, for the people you work with, and you need to be really well rested. So there's still so many studies and research still being done on exactly what happens when we are sleeping and the importance of sleep. What we do know is what goes on inside. So, you know, obviously when we're sleeping, our body's able to repair itself, it's able to restore energy. Um, it's able to create that sponge-like brain that we need that's gonna cement in all the good and also prepare it for all the good that it's gonna do the next day. All of that is super important. Um, yeah. You know, when you said, you know, do we do we really need it? You know, there's a reason why they use sleep deprivation as a torture to fight, right? We need it. We need to sleep to feel well. Um I think we can go longer not to say this is what we want to do, but we can go longer without eating than we can go without sleeping. So, you know, healthy sleep is very important for sure.
0: Well, I think a lot of people are feeling tortured because it seems like based on the comments, nobody is sleeping. So how much sleep do we need? I'm sure this is a loaded question, very individual, but on average, how much, how much should we aim for? How much do we need?
1: So it, I mean, it's so based on the individual, you know, on yeah. average, you're going to read, you should be getting seven to eight hours. That's kind of the number that a lot of sleep experts and scientists kind of throw out. Um, but there is something to be said about, you know, not necessarily maybe needing that much or possibly needing more. So we all have our own personal basal sleep needs. We all have our own individual sleep sleep tank that we have to fill. For myself, okay. I know that I can function fine on six to seven hours is always my goal to achieve nightly. It doesn't always happen. Even being a sleep expert, I am human. I have bad nights of sleep as well, which is okay to have. Um, But then there's some that might need eight. There's some that might need nine. I always say if you are someone who thinks that you're functioning fine on four or five hours of sleep, that's likely not the case. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, what happens is I always equate it to drinking, you know, the more alcohol you drink, the more tolerance, the more your tolerance for alcohol increases. Well, the more nights you're getting a very little sleep of those, say, four or five hours of sleep, your body actually does feel fine off of it, because it's so used to functioning off of that little sleep, you start to get used to the feelings of fatigue Mm -hmm. and tiredness, right, and just thinking you can go. But likely what's happening inside your body is telling you a different story. So I always say if you can aim between a consistent 80% of a 6 to to 8 ratio per night, you're good. But it's not about the quantity. It's also about the quality, which is really important too.
0: Yeah, well, that's one of my next questions
1: is quality or quantity. Which one is more important? You know, I always kind of side with quality over quantity. I mean, listen, I don't want you to get only a, two hours of quality sleep, but I would prefer you to get five hours of quality quality sleep versus seven or eight hours of what I call junk sleep, of not so great sleep, sleeping against your natural body clock. Um, you know, there's so many reasons why we're not able to achieve proper restorative sleep while we're sleeping. So, Um, quality sleep is always something to strive for. I'm sure we're going to be talking about a lot of steps and tools that we can, how to achieve that quality of sleep? Um, but quality sleep is always preferred over quantity for sure. In my opinion. Okay. How do we know that we're getting enough sleep or how do we know
0: that we're getting quality sleep? Like,
1: a lot of it is just how you're feeling day to day. You know, I mean, uh, listen, we know how much sleep we're getting. We can, that's easily to, that's easy to be logged. Um, in terms of, are we getting the best sleep possible? I know there's a lot of sleep trackers. I was, I was talking to, um, to drew about that, you know, our sleep tracker is great to use. Um, I don't think enough is done yet on sleep trackers. I know a lot of people use them and I like them for the reason that it's starting the conversation about sleep. It's allowing people to start focusing on their sleep health, which I think are all really great things, but don't take the information you're getting from them with a grain of salt because you know, um, your body movement. It might not be tracking everything. The best way to really find out if you're getting the best quality of sleep is to actually have a sleep study done. And that's where they're monitoring your brain waves through an EEG and you're, you know, you're hooked up to all the the machines, but just generally, how do you feel every day? You know, first of all, are you getting enough sleep? So let's count that. Are you getting your six to eight hours of sleep? If you are, and you're feeling pretty good throughout the day, there's no huge you're not feeling excessive daytime sleepiness, there's no huge slumps and all of those things, then you can you can say to yourself, are, how are you sleeping throughout the night? Are you able to kind of, well, listen, we all wake up throughout the night, but are you tossing and turning for hours on end? Or do you feel like you're getting a pretty solid stretch of sleep? Um, if you're feeling like that, then you're probably getting great quality of sleep. If you're not, then maybe there's some adjustments that you need to make. Mm. I did have a question about sleep
0: trackers and how you felt about them, because what I'm hearing from people is I'm using them. It's telling me I'm getting a good night's sleep, 85, 90%. I feel like garbage when I wake up in the morning, like the Libby method, for example, our app, we have like uh, you know, poor night's sleep, great night's sleep. Okay. Night's sleep. Like, is that a better better measure to use of how you're actually feeling as opposed to what the app is, is saying do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what about, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, and what about those deep and REM sleep, the different kinds of sleep? Like, how am I,
1: how am I even reading that sleep? Yeah. So, I mean, in here, terms <laughs> of the tracker, in terms of the tracker, the, the issue that I have with the tracker is, you know, here we are talking about sleep. We want to get people thinking about sleep and focusing on their sleep health. But what I also don't want to see is people to hyper focus on sleep especially those who are really struggling with sleep because it's like anything, right? It's like, it's like your plan, right? We don't want people to hyper-focus on the calories they're consuming and the food they're eating. Cause that's not a good thing. That's just going to heighten yeah. any kind of stress or anxiety that you're already feeling about not sleeping well or not eating well or not moving enough. So that's my issue with the sleep tracker is again, look at that information. And if it tells you that it's, you've had a good night of sleep, well, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like you've had a good night of sleep? You know in the morning if you've had a good night of sleep or not, right? If it's telling you that you haven't had a good night of sleep, but you're like, but I feel good. I feel okay. I'd rather you go with that, that feeling than what the tracker's telling you.
0: Okay. Can we talk about the different types of sleep? That was a big question. The deep sleep, the REM sleep, the light sleep, the what, like, what are we like? It, is it Does it even matter that we know the different types of sleep? Like, how can we measure that we're getting that kind of sleep? Like, how is knowing about the different types of sleep actually helping us get a better night's sleep?
1: You don't necessarily need to know about the different types of sleep, and, and I'll definitely explain it. Um, and it's really hard to measure whether you're you're going through an entire cycle of sleep. So if we look at a cycle of sleep for an adult, it's about 90 to 110 minutes for one cycle of sleep. We get about five or six of those cycles of sleep throughout the night. If you're getting your, again, six to nine hours of sleep per night, right? In that one cycle of sleep, we are to, it's, there's about four transition or four phases of sleep. The first and second phase is when we're in kind of those lighter stages of sleep. The first phase is, you know, as you're falling asleep, the second phase is, you know, you're sleeping, but you're still kind of sort of aware of what's going on around you. The third and fourth phase is when we're getting into that deeper restorative sleep. So a lot of body recovery is happening in that phase. What happens too is as the cycles go on throughout the night, that deeper quality um, uh, phase of sleep lengthens throughout the night. So that's why quantity also matters. Because if we're only getting a few hours of sleep, we're not getting enough. We're not giving our bodies chance uh, enough to get the amount of cycles that's going to give us amount of, that amount of restorative sleep, if that makes sense. So this is where quantity and quality kind of play together a little bit. So you don't need to know what we call the architect of sleep. Um, and it's really hard for you to be like, oh, I got, you know, 10 minutes of REM and you're not going to be able to really really know that unless you get a sleep study done. They can properly monitor that. Um, but again, it's all comes down to how you're feeling when you're waking up in the morning. If you're like, I think I'm getting my seven to eight hours, but I'm waking up feeling exhausted, feeling really crummy. That signals to me that there's there's sleep losses happening somewhere. So is it maybe something like, Are you snoring? Are you a mouth breather? I know we'll probably talk about sleep apnea or something like that. Like, yeah. is there something else going on? That's not allowing you to get into that deeper state of sleep in that cycle. I was
0: going to talk about this at the end, but can we talk about, um, help for sleep? I know this conversation is meant to help for sleep, but it just occurred to me, like a lot of people have not had a good sleep. Like we're talking 20 years, like, you know, on a chronic level, they're not getting good sleep. And we know how important it is to get that good sleep. Like who would benefit from getting one of like going to a sleep clinic and getting tested? Like, it seems like, you know, to me, when I think about that, this would be a person who has insomnia and they're not sleeping at all. But would this also be useful for someone who literally has been struggling for years with their sleep? And they just, they can't remember the last time they got a good night's sleep or maybe it was just on vacation or whatever, like who would benefit? um, And and what do they do at these sleep places?
1: So in terms of someone who's struggling, so when we break down insomnia, insomnia is a leading sleep disorder, and there's both acute and chronic insomnia. Acute insomnia is something that myself has suffered from, you've probably suffered from, everybody watching at one point in their life or multiple times has suffered from. That's just when you get a bad night of sleep, a couple of nights of bad sleep. It could be because you're not feeling well, maybe you're going through a more stressful time in your life, for whatever reason, you're just getting bum sleep, right? It happens. Yeah. Chronic insomnia is what you're talking about. Someone who's been struggling with sleep for long-term. It could be weeks. It could be months. It could be years. Those are the individuals that want to focus more on behavioral changes. Um, I, I physiological changes. So how also like our relationship with sleep, how we feel about sleep, those individuals would benefit from working with a sleep coach like myself or working with I'm not a sleep therapist. So working with a sleep therapist who practices in what's called CBTI, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, and going through different therapy um, strategies that can help them sleep better. Someone who would be referred to say a sleep study or like a sleep lab would be someone who perhaps is suffering from something like sleep apnea or a sleep disorder like restless legs, circadian rhythm disorders. Um, okay. Sleep apnea is another leading sleep disorder. I actually just had a sleep study myself done in June. Um, so this is where you feel like you're getting the great night of sleep, but you're waking up, you know, tired, dry throat, headaches, excessive daytime sleepiness. I'm talking not just feeling tired and fatigued, but falling asleep in meetings, falling asleep at red lights, you're snoring, but you're like, the walls are rattling. It's that kind of snoring or mouth breathing. If you or your partner is experiencing that, that's when you talk to a doctor, that's when you would have a sleep study done. So you don't necessarily have a sleep study done if you're suffering from maybe something like insomnia, um, but it's always worth having a conversation with your doctor, then they would direct you to the right individual.
0: Okay, because I I have read people saying I'm doing this, I'm doing that I'm, you know, I'm practicing good sleep hygiene, I'm doing all the things and yet I'm still not seeing much of a difference. And maybe that's the time where and this is what these conversations are about giving people access to someone like you to make the changes that they can make. But at some point, if you are doing all of these things, just like following the program, I think if you're doing all of the things and maximize your efforts, and you focus on the food and the water and sleep and stress and all that, and really nothing is happening that might be where you want to head to your doctors and say hey like is there something else that's going on can we talk about um how long
1: should it take you to fall asleep on average it should take about 15 to 20 minutes for you to fall asleep yeah
0: Yeah.
1: wait (laughs) if you were falling asleep the second your head hits the pillow That is a signal that you are overtired, that there's existing sleep debt and you are just in exhaustion stage, which is not necessarily a good thing. A lot of people think, oh, I fall asleep as soon as my head hits the pillow. It's not necessarily a great thing, right? So on average, it should should take you about 15 to 20 minutes. If it takes you longer than that, um, then that could be, again, another overtiredness state. So your cortisol levels are increasing. It suppresses your melatonin. This is our natural sleep hormone. Um, perhaps it's because we have an existing sleep debt, a chronic sleep debt. We're going to bed too late. Um, I mean, there's so many things We're, you know, in front of those bright screens, I could go on and on about why we're struggling to fall asleep. But when I say it should take you 10 to 20 minutes, I talk to a lot of people who say I get into bed, um, and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half until I fall asleep, but what is happening in that hour, hour and a half, right? If you're on your phone, if you're watching TV, that's not going to bed. Right. So, um, it's from the moment that all the distractions are gone. How long then, like, what is that onset? What, how long then is that taking you to fall asleep? Okay,
0: so how often should we be waking up at night? Like, I know we have those dips and valleys in terms of the kinds of sleep that we're getting, and there are times throughout the night where we are a little lighter. And, you know, what is normal in terms of waking up? I know this is hard. Also, people are drinking a lot of water, so they get up and go pee, and in which stop drinking water as early as possible, spread it out throughout the day. You know, people can wake up, especially when that scale is about to move that next day around that three or four o'clock time. But let's just talk about general good sleep. what would be normal in terms
1: of waking up? So listen, we, we wake up multiple times throughout the night. You know, I can't tell you what is the right amount of time that you should be waking up throughout the night. We, like I said, we have five to six cycles of sleep throughout the night. As we're transitioning into each new cycle, we're partially waking up. Some of us wake up fully. Some of us don't wake up at all. Some of us just, you know, easily go into that extra transition, or you might wake up and fall right back asleep and you don't even remember waking up. The issue happens is when you're waking up and now you can't fall back asleep. That's when your mind starts yeah. going, your brain starts going, you start doing the clock watching. That's where the issue happens. So we do wake up. You know, I work a lot with families too and babies and kids, and it's like, you know, is your baby sleeping through the night yet? Is your child sleeping through the night? None of us sleep through the night. That term sleeping through the night does not exist. Um, you know, because Whoa. we all say that again. What? Yeah. The, that term sleeping through the night doesn't exist because we all wake up throughout the night. But are we able to put ourselves back to sleep? If we're not able to put ourselves back to sleep between transitions, why is that? What is going on? Could it be something just like stress and anxiety is keeping us up and our brains are, are going? Could it be our blood sugar levels isn't allowing us to get like, there's so many reasons, you know, when you were saying so many people are saying, I've tried this and I have tried that there could be so many reasons why you're still struggling with sleep with adults. It's not as like cookie cutter with kids as it is with adults. Mm-hmm. Cause there could be so many different things that are going on.
0: Okay. So what do we do when we are waking up and we can't get back to sleep? Do we like grab our phones? Do we walk around the house? Do I start doing Facebook lives in the middle of the night? Because it seems like everybody's up.
1: (laughs) You do not start doing that. Um, So this is actually, it's actually a form of CBTI. So again, cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, And it's a therapy called stimulus control. So what we want to do is we want to really sleep environment is such a tool that we can utilize to help us sleep better in, in the best way possible. Um, and I think so many of us now aren't utilizing that tool as best as we can because a lot, a lot of us are still hybrid. We're still working from home. Um, yeah. So our bedroom is kind of becoming that room in which we're doing everything but sleeping, right? Our goal is to really strengthen that association between sleep and our bedroom. We want to walk into our bedroom and feel that instant, calmness, that instant relaxation, that instant um, association to sleep. So when we're spending too much time awake in our bed, we should be sleeping 85% of the time in our bed. But when we're spending too much time awake, whether it be because we're surfing on our phone, whether it be because we're getting up in the middle of the night, and we can't fall back asleep, we're weakening that association between sleep and our bed. So the best thing Mm -hmm. you can do is to practice the therapy, it's called stimulus control, where you actually get out of bed, you don't check your phone, you don't do a Facebook live. You leave the room, keep the stimulation low, keep the lights low. It only takes seven seconds of bright lights to suppress that melatonin, which we don't want to be doing at one or two o'clock in the morning, right? So, you know, keep lights low. I mean, you need to look, you need to see where you're going, but keep lights low, leave your room and do a quiet activity. It could be, um, you know, reading a few chapters in a book or a few pages in a book, doing a puzzle, crocheting, knitting a puzzle like whatever you can do you know try not to check your emails and and go on tiktok try not to if you're gonna turn on a show because you know there's a show that just makes you feel light and fluffy and kind of takes away that stress make sure that it's for on a tv and it's at a far distance but the lights are still kind of low do that for about 15 to 20 minutes and then try to get back into bed again it might be a yo-yo. You might be going back. If it takes. it's taking you longer than 15 or 20 minutes, get out of bed again and do it again. And you might have to do that multiple times throughout the night. You might have to do that multiple nights throughout the week. But with time, it's going to get easier to fall asleep.
0: I was just going to ask that. Is this something that in doing this over time, we're kind of training ourselves exactly. to be able to fall asleep quicker? Oh. Okay. I love that. Is there, is there such a thing as too much sleep for those people who are getting
1: too much sleep? Is that a thing? I mean, it can be, you know, if you feel that you're sleeping a lot, um, you know, you're getting, I would say over 10 hours of sleep per night. You're taking a lot of daytime, you know, you're sleeping a lot throughout the day. Again, that's worth a conversation with the doctor. Is there a bigger issue going on? Um, You know, we're, we're dealing with seasonal depression. And, you know, we're in that season where we're not getting enough vitamin D, we're not getting out in outside and getting our legs moving and getting in that fresh air. Um, That can cause a lot of feelings of sleepiness that can maybe bring on bring on bouts of depression. So uh, it's always good having a conversation with your doctor if you feel like you're sleeping too much, or it's really hard to get out of bed in the morning.
0: Do our sleep patterns change with the seasons? Like, do are we more inclined to sleep longer in the winter and up earlier? Like, does that affect
1: anything? It can. like, you know, like bears, we hibernate, right? Because the days are longer, they're darker, right? So our 24 hour clock natural clock never changes. So when we go through time changes, when we go through time zones when we're you know traveling, that clock stays as it is. That's why shift workers struggle a lot with getting good quality sleep because they're always sleeping against their natural clock because that doesn't shift just because their sleep schedule shifts, right? Yeah. Um but in the winter time, you know, we're getting less daylight hours, so it's darker outside, which doesn't um allow our melatonin to suppress as well. So this is where things like getting out in that natural light as early as you can is great. Using things like natural light simulator, alarm clocks can work really well. Um, therapy lights can work great throughout the day to give us that burst of blue sky, that give us that burst of vitamin D, that can just help balance out our um, sleep and wake hormones a little bit better.
0: Wow. Okay. So shift workers, that was next on my list. We have a lot of shift workers in the group. Yeah. Like. Is there any hope for them whatsoever? Honestly, a lot of them are really struggling with their sleep, especially those long turnaround shifts, like two weeks, one shift, two weeks, the next four days on four days off day shift, night shift, switching it up. Like just just saying it makes me tired. So what what's your best advice for anyone doing shift work?
1: It's really hard. I mean, our shift work community is is definitely a fast-growing community, um, and I see so many that struggle with just what you said, you know, the inconsistencies in schedules, and just you can't even get on a consistent schedule, even if it's against your clock, because there's just so many changes. So my goal as a sleep uh, educator and sleep coach is always to talk to the top level, because they're the ones that are really going to set the schedule for the rest of the workers and making sure that it's a schedule that can work best for them. Um, yeah. I would prefer more of a two week on, two week off type thing than a four day, two day, cause then your body just never adjusts to anything. My biggest tip that I give to, to shift workers is yes, there's absolutely hope. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you're going to be sleeping when the rest of the world is awake and you're going to be awake when the rest of the world is sleeping. It's, it's what your schedule allows for. It's, it's what your schedule gives you, but you can still try and get the best quality of sleep when you are sleeping. And how you do that is again, coming back to sleep environment, making that, making sure you're really darkening up that environment, going as far as darkening up your drive home from work, you know, putting on, um, you know, um, the sunglasses that wrap around the, yeah. uh, the sun blocking sunglasses to keep things really dark, conversation is so important both to your family, your friends, so that they understand that, listen, I'm sleeping. You guys got to keep things down. I can't visit with you. I can't go out for drinks at night because I got to get to bed, like whatever conversations you need to have to really protect your sleep as best you can, but also have conversations with other shift workers. I work with a lot of companies who um, create kind of wellness, um, a wellness committee for shift workers where it's almost like they can it's, it's like a support group where they can sit down and talk to each other and say hey you know what tips are working with you or this is really hard what do you do in this situation because shift the shift work community the struggle with it too is that it can be a very lonely experience. Yeah. A lot of shift workers that I talk to it's very lonely because people who work nine to five I mean none of us work nine to five anymore but you know the typical nine to five schedule don't get it and probably never yeah. will. so talk yeah. to other people in your community to help you.
0: Yeah. Like the whole world is geared towards like nine to fivers. So you feel like you're in this, your own little planet. And I I love what you said, like, you need to almost fight for your sleep. You need, you need to show up and and make your sleep a priority. Cause it seems like, you know, well, uh, there's a lot of shift workers who they come home, they should be getting to sleep, but they're, and and sometimes they can't help it. They have to take help get kids to school and they have to do this and they have to wake up and do that and do these things. And if we were to take someone who was sleeping at night and be like, okay, during the night, I need you to drive this person here and I need you to do this and get up and do that. We would think that's insanity, but the reality for a lot of shift workers is that's how they're functioning with their sleep is actually trying to fit their sleep into everyone else's whole working day, rather than looking at that sacred time that they really need for their sleep. What about, um, melatonin? Is that going to help a lot of shift workers talking about
1: melatonin
0: supplements, drugs? How do you feel about that?
1: So for melatonin, you know, it's a, it's a question I'm asked all the time. Should I be using melatonin? I think for individuals like shift workers, melatonin plays a role for people who travel a lot, who go through a lot of different time zones for certain shift work, uh, the shift work community um, for individuals who are maybe suffering from circadian rhythm disorder, where their clock just doesn't function like our clock does, our, our natural biological clock. Um, But I also think that melatonin is largely overused because it's really thought of as a sleeping pill. And it's not that, you know, we all, so melatonin is a natural sleep hormone. It's not what, when our body releases, it's, it's largely cued from our external environment. So the light and the dark of the day, when our, when our body senses darkness, our body and mind senses darkness, it releases that melatonin to prepare us to sleep. It doesn't just instantly make us tired. It's what drives our circadian rhythms that, hey, it's time to go to bed soon. Your body's starting to uh, prepare to kind of power down. When we are in front of that natural light, it suppresses that melatonin. Our cortisol levels are increased um, and we naturally wake up. So when you're taking a supplement like melatonin, I think it's important to understand that that is a hormonal supplement that you are taking. It's very rare for us to be deficient in melatonin. It's a very easy test. I think it's a saliva test. I think it's a saliva and blood test. I know for sure it's a saliva test, but I think it's through blood as well that you can to get tested. Um, uh, like I said, you're very rarely deficient in it. And when you're taking that supplement form, you're likely not taking the right amount. And it's not released in your body the same way that your natural melatonin is released. But because mm-hmm. it's so easily to buy, it's over the counter, it's it's promoted. Every marketing thing promotes it as like a sleeping aid. A lot of people think that this is something that I should be taking to help fall asleep. A supplement that I would rather you take that starts with an M that I know is a supplement that you talk a lot about in your program is magnesium. That is an amazing supplement. Of course, as you say too, any supplement that you're going to take, it's always best to talk to your daughter your daughter, your doctor yeah. or your naturopath first yeah. um, to see if it's it's okay for you. For your individual needs. Um, But I would rather you include magnesium as a supplement over melatonin for sure. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. What about, um, so again, I love that takeaway. Uh, Melatonin is not, it's not like a sleep drug. It doesn't help you sleep. It helps with your hormones, melatonin. Then what about sleep drugs, sleep pills, sleep, whatever, like, are they beneficial? Is there a max time we should be taking them? Should we just be buying them from the drugstore should we specifically see our doctors like how what how do, they, do you become dependent I got so many questions or do you yeah dependent on I you? mean
1: here's how the thing with I'm not a doctor so I, I I can't say yay or nay to prescription sleep pills no. Um, But if if you're going to get a prescribed sleep, um, sleep aid or sleep pill, that would be a conversation with your doctor because they would have to then give you a prescription. I think far too many people are using sleeping pills, prescription sleeping pills when they likely don't need to be because a few things you need to understand is like any drug, the more you take it, your tolerance for that drug increases, right? Right. So what worked for you a month ago might not be working for you in a couple of months, right? The, in terms of the dosage and the amount. Also, so many studies, and it's so scary, um, show that when you take a sleeping pill at night, it's likely still in your system quite a lot when you're waking up in the morning. And that's when we're driving our kids to school, and we're driving to work, and we're getting behind the wheel of a car. That is frightening. Um, So it's not the first thing. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I would never prescribe sleeping pills. But if I'm speaking to someone and I'm seeing some red flags and I'm thinking, okay, maybe they would benefit from them because they ha- maybe they have tried everything, really tried everything. Um, you know, maybe something as simple as magnesium isn't working for them. Let's see what their doctor has to say. They've had a sleep test done. Uh, their doctor has deemed that they should have a start using a prescription sleeping pill. That's a conversation to have with the doctor. But I do think people are using it far more than they should be. Hands down. Yeah,
0: because I'm thinking I'm not sleeping good. Go to my doctor, get a sleep pill, or buy one from the pharmacy. When probably what I should be doing is looking into why I'm not getting a great sleep to begin with. I'm practicing great sleep hygiene and doing all these things and making my room nice and getting off my phones and doing all these things. Probably going to see a sleep expert or a sleep clinic might be the first step before getting into that. Or to 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 the point, if they are taking that. You also want to make sure you're also
1: doing all the other things as well. Exactly. It's like a band-aid okay. solution, right? Which is never a yeah. good thing. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, I want to get into some real basic stuff, like sleep positions on your back, on your side, on your stomach. Doesn't matter if we sleep one way, should we switch to
1: another way?
0: Like, what's the deal?
1: So I always laugh at this question because I mean, in terms of the best position, sleeping on your back is probably the best position. Um, it's probably the position that is least used, <laughs> but in yeah. terms of proper alignment for neck, shoulder, hips, everything, sleeping yeah. on your back is the best position. Second to that would be sleeping on your side, provided, again, if you have any hip issues, um, any spine issues, you know, if you need any positional pillows to keep your hips aligned, Absolutely. Sleeping in your stomach is probably the worst position. And the reason why I laugh, because as a sleep expert, that's the position that I sleep in. I like to be very open and honest. Because let's be honest, it's the most I love it. comfortable, right? Um, but it is the worst in terms of proper alignment um, and just in terms of your body. Also, women, as we get older, the collagen in our skin decreases. And when we're sleeping on our face and sleeping on our backs, or on our stomachs, those creases that we're getting from blankets and pillows tend to stick around. So I always say the best facelift, natural facelift you can give yourself at $0 is just sleeping on your back.
0: I love that. And I want to get into actually sheets and beds, but let me, let me take it back to what about as we get older, right? Everyone wants to talk about menopause and sleeping old when you get older and sleeping when you get older, we'll talk about menopause and hormones in a sec, but when you get older,
1: do you need more sleep? Do you need less sleep? Does that change with age? So yes, when we're talking about senior sleep, um, we, so as we get older, we actually need less sleep throughout the night. So, you know, again, we're looking at six to nine hours for um, adulthood. As we get into more senior, you're probably looking at more, maybe seven to six hours of sleep per night. But okay. the difference with that age is you'll, you're gonna see more daytime sleep. So you'll tend to sleep more naps at that at that age. Um, they'll just dis- distribute their sleep a little bit differently. So maybe naps, going to bed a bit later, waking up a little bit earlier. Um, But it's still important to get great, healthy sleep in that senior stage as well, for sure.
0: Okay. And what about menopause and sleep? Menopause and sleep. Is that a whole... We need to book a whole conversation. That's like a whole... (laughs)
1: segment Right there. Um, yeah, listen, you know, for women, no matter what age you're, you're going through, whether it's, it's, you know, you're pregnant, it's perimenopause, it's menopause throughout the month, our hormones are shifting and that for sure is going to affect our sleep. And menopause is a sleep buster. Definitely. Hands down for those that are going through menopause that sleep hasn't been affected. That's amazing. Cause it can happen. Um, But there's so many different reasons why, well, not so many, but there's a few different reasons why our sleep is affected when we are going through, whether it be perimenopause or going through menopause. Um, One is just that hormonal shift, right? What's going on in our body is just not allowing us to get a great night of sleep. Also temperature, you know, going through the night sweats, again, coming back to environment, you know, I know we're going to be talking about bedding and things like that. Um, But this is again, where you want to do a great focus on sleeping well, eating well, moving your body. Um, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about the moving your body part, because I think it's really important for those that are really struggling with sleep, going through menopause, think feeling like you're doing all the things. I think the most important thing to understand is when we wake up in the morning, think of your sleep drive. Our sleep drive is what's going to allow us to sleep well at night. We want a strong drive for sleep at night, right? How we can get that is waking up at consistent times in the morning. Getting a lot of physical activity, immersing yourself in that natural light, that is all going to help. So, think of that drive as a tank, a gas tank. It's on empty when we wake up in the morning. No matter if we've had a good night of sleep or not, even if you haven't had a good night of sleep, that tank is still pretty empty. So, our goal throughout that day is to fill that tank as much as we can. So, it's nice and full when we go to bed, because that's going to drive us to get a great night of sleep. So, when you know, you're going through shifts like menopause or illness or more stress and anxiety. I know we're going to be talking about that later. Your focus is always what can I do to fill that tank as best I can, if that makes sense? And we'll talk a little bit about what you can do to do that. My mind just went, because, you know,
0: I think of movement and exercise as. I mean, great for the messages it sends for your vital boost your metabolism, for bone density. You know, exercise to relieve stress, to to complement the weight loss program. But does anyone t- talk about exercise in relation to sleep? Like, no, like never.
1: Well, and it's hand in hand. When we're not moving our body we're not sleeping well and when we're not sleeping well we don't have the energy to move our body right so it's like you got to start somewhere and when i say movement i i want to make it clear like i don't mean you have to start hit classes like i don't mean it yeah. has to be vigorous yeah. exercise every yeah. single day but yeah. it could be just yeah. simple stretching it could be going for a walk it could be Whatever works for you, choose the activity that is going, it could be cleaning your house. That's exercise in itself, you know, so just getting your body moving off the chair, off the couch, out of your desk, um, getting those legs going that helps build that drive for sure.
0: Well, that's probably why when we're tired we don't feel like doing anything i'm too tired to go for a walk i'm too tired for this i'm too tired for that so the last thing i think anyone is going to think of is i should go be more active to actually
1: help me oh you froze should i just start talking maybe i'll just start talking okay i'll keep chatting sorry i just opened the comments now um okay so Let's talk about bedding, guys. (laughs) So in terms of um, bedding, uh, if we talk about menopause, right? Let's talk about sleep environment. Because again, this is such a tool that you can utilize. And I think it's so important to be able to do that. So I always say your side of the bed should be customized to you. Whether you share a bed, whether you sleep uh, sleep on your own What you're sleeping in and on in terms of what pillow you're using. I know mattress, if you're sharing a bed. I mean, a mattress is a mattress. You have to use the same mattress. But your blankets, your sheets, your pillows, your pillowcase could be customized to your specific sleep needs. So if you are going, I'm seeing the comments now, guys. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Um, So if you are going through something like hormonal shifts, night sweats, you know, maybe you're more, hi, I'm I'm talking about (laughs) sheets. you're a rock star i I love it (laughs) i just went for it um so if you are your partner maybe is a cold sleeper maybe you need more wicking fabrics more organic fabrics more natural fibers like bamboos and cottons um maybe if your partner's a colder sleeper they need it's okay i always say if you share a bed you guys can have different blankets you don't have to use the same blanket right have separate blankets if need be um what pillow your partner uses might be different than what you use because you might um have different ailments or your partner might have different ailments where they need different kind of pillows or allergies or anything like that, asthma. Um So customize your side of the bed to you. I love it. I love that you just carried on this whole conversation. <laughs> there was a little bit of a pause because I hadn't turned the comments on. So I'm like, can people? See me <laughs> then when I did they said I could so I just started talking <laughs> great you're hired you now have your own segment on this
0: <laughs> program hi this is Alana and Gina Livy. how are you <laughs> So what were you talking about? You were talking about were you talking about pillows, beds, sheets? That yeah.
1: So out? someone said, "Can you continue the conversation on menopause, talking about sheets and bedding?" So I was just saying, you know, c- coming back to sleep environment, really customize your side of the bed to you, like what works specifically for you, even if you even if you share a bed um with someone else, you know, what what pillow blanket. I will say, for Christmas, Santa brought me a silk pillowcase. Yes. Game changer, like to the extreme in terms of temperature it always feels cool um in terms of keeping all my expensive creams on my face um it's amazing it's amazing and i've talked about soap pillowcases, of course before but i had yet to use one yeah um amazing can we should we sleep naked or not sleep naked that's a great question here's the thing you would think that sleeping naked is a great um way to stay cool but what you have to understand is if you're a night sweater, you're a night sweater. You're still going to sweat without clothes on. And now you're lying in a puddle of wet sweat, which is gross and uncomfortable. And is likely going to wake you up. So if you're a night sweater, I would prefer you to wear more like wicking fabrics that's going to hold in that perspiration. There's a lot of pajamas now that are actually being made with like performance um, fleece, like performance material that... Um, athletic uh, clothes are are made of like gym clothes and things like that um, to again wick away that fabric. So I I would say you know if you're a night sweater, sleeping naked isn't isn't the best route to take in my opinion. <laughs> just- Blissy is the one I have too. Facebook user, I can't see names, so I'm just gonna say the one that says I have a Blizzy pillowcase. That's the brand I have too. Ben,
0: I, I I got that. You you had me at performance sleep like you know what I mean? fleece performance fleece
1: <laughs> yeah
0: amazing <laughs> okay um te- talk, let's talk about temperature room temperature should we have you talked about that room temperature should we have it cold should we have it hot should we just have it what we like does that matter
1: yeah so room temperature i mean we all do sleep better in a cooler environment for sure um i say anywhere between like six to 23 depending on the individual so what's that i think that's like 69 to 73 am i saying i might be totally off on the numbers um but cooler is better so if you're someone who needs to crank a window it doesn't have to be ice cold it doesn't have to be an ice box um but we all sleep you know our bodies just what happens is as we get closer to bedtime our core body temperature drops um and this is where blankets, I actually just did a segment on blanket blankets on, on CHCH on why we we need a blanket to sleep better is because we're so conditioned to using a blanket that even in the middle of the summer, when it's hot out, we need that blanket to help us sleep better. And what happens is as the night progresses, our body temperature drops more and more and more. So if we're too cold, now our body's gonna be busy trying to regulate its temperature. Um, and not getting a good night of sleep. Just like we don't want to eat that large meal before we go to bed because then our body's going to be busy trying to digest the food and not get a good night of sleep. So this is where you want to kind of get that right temperature so that you feel comfortable throughout the night so your body can just focus on sleeping well.
0: Good. What What about weighted blankets?
1: Weighted blankets, I will say, is why I don't promote a lot of sleep product or tools. Like I, I'm very picky with that and what I promote and what I talk about weighted blankets is one tool that I am a proponent for that I do feel like they can really help an individual sleep. I don't think it's a no pun intended blanket response to everybody that yes, everyone should be using a weighted blanket if you're struggling with sleep. um, But that that pressure does allow um, that deep pressure allows um, great stimulation of our nervous system, which allows our serotonin to be released. This is our happy chemical. So it really does aid well in reducing kind of any kind of stress or anxiety that we might be feeling, which in turn then can help us sleep better. So I don't think they're the tool for everyone. Um, but I think if you're someone who, you know, suffers from a lot of stress, suffers from a lot of anxiety, they can work really well with our younger kiddos too. Um, weighted blankets can really ha- be a great tool in the bedroom for sure
0: okay so you mentioned stress and i know um i know you are big into this conversation of stress and how it affects sleep so let's talk about that what would be the one thing you want to get across to people about stress and sleep
1: so you know a lot of times you know i'll talk about sleep hygiene right consistent sleep patterns sleep environment great bedtime routine all of these things here's the thing that's not the only thing that's going to help you sleep better if we've seen anything in the past, and, and why I'm getting more into sleep and stress management is because if we've seen anything in the past four years, our stress levels right now are at an all time high. I mean, we are just feeling, forget burnt out, like we are just completely feeling frayed with yeah. everything that is going on for different reasons in our lives. And that is 100% going to affect how we are sleeping at night. So if we are not properly managing our stress, our anxiety, our worry, um, we're not going to be able to get a great night of sleep, but I'm also not going to tell you guys, just don't stress out. Don't be anxious. Don't because we're human. Of course, we're going to stress out. We're going to go through more stressful periods in our life than others. We're going to have more worrisome and anxious days than others. So how can we manage those times so that we're protecting our sleep and, and sleeping well? And it, it has to go beyond just learning how to meditate and learning how to mindful, be more mindful in thought while that is all important. And I think meditation definitely plays a role. Mindful um, thought plays a role. Breath work. I am a huge proponent of breath work. I think breath work is so important to learn, especially if you're trying to kind of regulate your heartbeat and regulate your your, um, anxiety levels. Breath work is amazing. There was actually a study done that five minutes of breath work can benefit you more than five minutes of meditation. I'm not okay. saying there's anything against meditation. I'm just saying, um, okay. but we need to go beyond that. What are other things that we can do that's going to help manage our stress levels? So that's so. What is there what like a more. is there a
0: sleep hygiene checklist and a stress and sleep checklist? Like where would you suggest people start with that?
1: Yeah, so we do have a stress guide that we'll, we'll provide you guys a link that you guys can download. In cool, terms cool. of sleep hygiene, um, you're just looking at simple. There's a lot of information on our website, goodnightsleepsite.com. Okay. Um, if you just search sleep hygiene, you'll get different articles on that. And I have a lot of um, TV segments and podcasts that I talk about sleep hygiene. When we're getting into stress management i think it's really important for people to again think outside of the box of just meditation one big thing that we practice at goodnight sleep site is allowing you to have that personal pause throughout the day here's what's so important to understand and i get so excited talking about this so much of what we do throughout the day more so is going to help us sleep at night than what we do at night is going to help us sleep at night and we forget that right because we just think about bedtime We don't think about what are we doing in the morning? What are we doing throughout the day? And that is so important because that is going to help us. That's what's going to help us sleep at night. So again, I talked about building that drive, filling that tank. What you're doing in the morning, don't check your phone as soon as you get up in the morning, right? Because what are you doing when you're checking the phone? You're checking your work emails. You're checking social media, which just, it just adds that chaos that runs with us for the rest of the day and into our bedtime routine. So give yourself about half an hour before waking up. Um, before you check in with the rest of the world, have a quiet cup of coffee. Deal with your kids. Do go for a walk. Get in that movement. Whatever you can do, right? Have your lemon juice and your your apple cider vinegar, right? Before checking your email. Um, uh, and then during the day, give yourself that personal pause. So, a personal pause can be done in one of two ways. One way is just I what I call like a mindful hush. So, allowing yourself to be more in a meditative meditative state, doing some breath work. For me, meditation is a walk. I've been doing it since I was a teenager. I get outside every day. I, I always say I was walking before the pandemic made it cool. Um, I get outside and do at least 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And I don't necessarily really do it for the exercise. For me, it's like, it, it helps me from not being squirrely in my head, right? It's, it's what gets my thoughts organized and just what gets me in a better better mental state. For others, it could be cooking a meal, baking, cleaning your house. Like what's nice. doing a creative hobby? You know, how many people ask you, what's your hobby? And you're like, I don't have a hobby. You <laughs> well, don't need to get hard. a hobby, but yeah, <laughs> I hate that question. Cause I'm like, I don't actually do anything other than work and raise my children. Um, that's not a good thing. Right. Yeah. So what can we do that is, you know, do you want to take a painting class? Do you want to learn how to knit? Mm-hmm. Do you want to learn how to repair cars? Like what can you add to your life? That is for joy only. It's okay to do that. It's okay to take time for you. That's going to help with those stress management. The other way of adding a personal pause is allowing yourself time throughout the day to stress the fuck out because we're going to (laughs) stress. And if we're not doing it during the day, we're doing it at three o'clock in the morning when the distractions of life are gone, right? Because throughout the day, it's easy not to work out those problems because we're so distracted with the day. So schedule time into your calendar throughout the day to work through what you need to work through. You don't have to necessarily solve it in that moment, but what are some solutions that you can take to work on solving that problem? Put that, you know, write it down on a piece of paper, put that paper away. So when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and that problem's going to pop in your head because we're human, that's what happens. You can also say to yourself, you know what? I worked on that today. I'm going to work on it more to tomorrow. It's not time to work on it right now. And keep saying that to yourself again. All about changing that mindset and retraining your brain.
0: So schedule your moments of stress, basically. Yeah, it makes so much sense because when you think because I'm so stressed, and don't get me wrong, I love my job, and it's busy, and I got teenage kids, and it's like there's a lot going on. Yeah, you would think that a person who is so stressed would sleep so well at night, but it's actually quite a, the opposite.
1: It is. It is. It's. It's in in all honesty, I think stress, um, tech, and uh, you know, I I talk a lot about tech about keeping it out of the bedroom. And you know, if you are someone who's really struggling with stress or with sleep, um, you know, it's best to keep it out of the bedroom. But I also think it's really important to more so just to just set boundaries around it, what you're allowing in what you're consuming right before you're going to bed, because I know there's a lot of tech that actually works a lot for people. There's you know, for me, my go to is like, I'll watch an episode of friends or I'll watch an episode of the office. And I just forget my worries. It like gets me in that place. And if I need to watch an episode of that before I go to bed, I do it because it just allows me to fall asleep a lot easier. You know what I mean? So I always hated telling, especially moms, I'm going to point out the moms who have kids don't go on tech at night. Well, huh, that's like the only time I get to enjoy life. Like <laughs> finally the kids are in bed. I'm not working. My chores are done. <laughs> the house is clean. Please don't tell me that I can't watch a show or text with a friend or mindlessly scroll TikTok because that's all I want to do, you know, but is that amping, but again, be mindful. Hello. What do we learn in your program? Right. Be mindful of what, how are you feeling when you're checking your email in the night or when you're going on TikTok, if it's not allowing you to alleviate, you know, reduce your stress levels, stay away from that and maybe look at something else, you know?
0: What about um, like white noise or, you know, like in my sleep app that I'm working, there's like some, you know, like there's like, you know, crickets and waves and certain songs that are geared towards the noise. Like I'm listening and it's calming, but I'm thinking like that symbol boom, boom, might be waking yeah. me up like I'm thinking is this actually helping me fall asleep is it not I mean what about that to put you in that frame of mind of of getting that sleep like you know building on that meditation and managing your stress throughout the day is there a is there a, is there a kind of like an oh that harmonizes and can kind of calm you down right before you sleep
1: there is, there's different. So, you know, a lot of people will just go to like a white noise, but there's also things like pink noise and brown noise. Um, There's a lot of different, yeah, chants and mantras, you know, a great, I know for myself, uh, I, I, again, my meditation for me is walking. Like I said, if someone was like, you have to learn how to meditate. For me, that's like, it's an overwhelming thought because it's just another thing. And now I now have to do. And I know that that's the reason why a lot of people don't take it on. Because it's like, I don't have time to learn how to meditate. And now I got to teach my kids how to meditate. It's like, are you kidding me right now? This This is where tech helps. There's a lot of great apps, things like Calm, Headspace, Breathe. Um... I think, I mean, there's a lot of amazing ones. Calm is always my go-to. I mean, Calm is an amazing app and it's going to teach you, it's going to have sounds like that. It's going to teach you, it's going to guide you through meditation. It's going to guide you through breath work. It's going to take a lot of the hard part. It does all the hard part for you and you just have to follow it. So it's super easy, right? So there are sounds and I don't have any offhand that I could say, you know, listen to this one and this one will help do your research on that. Um, but if sounds is is something that you think is going to help you sleep better, find the right, um, frequency that works best for you for sure.
0: Yeah. I know somebody out there are different frequencies, um, you know, to, to the music that I'm listening to, I guess that's your vibration your you know, like the state of which your body's revving at perhaps, it's just a matter of finding one that's more harmonizing. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's different, I think it's just different. Um, to be honest, I haven't done a ton of research on it. But I think there's also there's just different frequency and sound and volume, too, in terms of you're looking at the white noise versus the pink noise versus the brown noise um, that um, kind of gets gets you into more of a a sleep state. Alana,
0: I think I'm like, I'm ready for bed right now. I cannot believe all the <laughs> topics that we have covered in this conversation. You are a rock star. I absolutely just so appreciate you taking the time. This, I think it's such a valuable and important conversation. Just one more time, go through where people uh, can find you if they want to reach out to you.
1: Yes, yeah, so you can find me at goodnightsleepsite.com. Um okay. you can find me on Instagram at GN on Um okay. TikTok, I'm McGinn. Um, I have a nap. This girl loves sleep. Uh, I'm a regular on City Line. I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah. You can find me okay. easily. Yeah. All right. We're
0: gonna add some of those details. Actually, people are if they're watching in the Facebook support group, we'll add the details to the post. If you're listening by way of podcast, um you can find uh and again it, G N S L E E P site right and yeah on Instagram. Everyone. Um, I could talk about this forever. We definitely have to have another conversation about hormones and sleep. Oh my goodness, we can have so many amazing conversations. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for everyone for watching. Have an amazing day, everyone, and I'll see you later. Bye.
1: Thanks, everyone.